Podcast. Podcast with coffee about dogs and cats. So we just learned the proper and respectful way to address our next li- our next listener, our next <laughs> guest. You um, have to be a listener. Too. Yes, and we are so excited to introduce you guys to somebody who does so much for our community and somebody who does a lot of things in a lot of jobs that you may not know about. And so we have invited Animal Control Officer Officer Tercy on here today to talk with us a little bit about the relationship between Helping Hands and Animal Control and about your work that you do and the things that you do to help animals in each and every single day. So welcome to our podcast. We're so excited you're here. Well, thank you for having me. Yay. We're super pumped. We love to interview people who we kind of know what their jobs are, but we don't really know all of the ins and outs. It's very interesting to us, and we think it's very interesting to our listeners who are animal lovers that just want to know more about how they can help animals in our community and how animal welfare in our community works. So to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about, so I don't know a whole lot about your job. Can you tell us a little bit about like your day-to-day activities, kind of what roles and responsibilities you do, kind of what duties you have, and kind of just an overview of your job? Sure. As an animal control officer, we foremost are checking to make sure that animals are in a healthy, safe environment, that they have the food, the water, the shelter, the exercise opportunities, and the play opportunities to keep them healthy. Second of all, we then patrol the city to look for animals that are loose so that we can get them home, so that we can find where they should be. And at the very worst, we keep them safe and we get them over to the shelter until their owners can find them at the shelter. We also investigate cruelty. We investigate neglect, tethering. Uh, We check to make sure that dogs have proper shelter during the wintertime. We go and we check on dogs that are in cars. One of the more unpleasant things is picking up deceased animals, um, whether they be an owned animal or an animal that maybe got hit by a car. We also work with different vets here in town to try and get injured animals to the right place so that they can be saved. Gotcha. Well, you have a lot of duties. I, one question I have while you're talking, I didn't realize that you work with multiple vets. Does that have to do with, like, if they're on, like, a city-owned animal or a homeless animal? I'm guessing they would come here. But if they are an owned animal and you've talked to the owner and said, hey, they got hit by a car, where do you want me to take them? Is this it's just a variety of those situations? Yes. We work with a number of different vets on a number of different reasons. Most dogs, as you said, go to the shelter. There are some that go to a location called City Vet. Those are the dogs that need to be looked at by a vet for cruelty or neglect or the dog is on a quarantine for biting someone. And then there's also a program called Trap Neuter Release, which um, stray cats are captured. They are neutered so that they don't have kittens. And then they're placed back into the community. Well, a certain vet in town is willing to deal with the health issues of all those cats So that if the person who is the community organizer of that cat colony has a sick cat, we'll go out, we'll catch it, we'll bring it to that vet. He will deal with the medical issues, and then we will put the cat back into the community so that it's healthy and safe to be there. I love that. We are just grinning. That is the sweetest thing. I'm guessing you're being vague on purpose on which vet, but that's amazing. Shout out to whatever vet is doing that. We love you. (laughs) 
So you have a variety of calls that you make. It sounds like you have some ups and some downs, some not pleasant parts. What do you think are some of your favorite parts or things that you love about this job? What made you want to get into this work? I've always loved animals from a very young age. I actually worked as a vet tech for four years, so I had experience on that side of it. When I decided to leave teaching, because I was also a teacher for 11 years, we had a community college which had a two-year program for animal control training. Uh, It's one of like three in the nation. And so I was able to do that training, and that really worked with the vet training I'd had before. And we get to educate people, so it kind of did the education thing for me. And it allowed me to just get out there and help animals to the best of my ability. And I just love, you know, helping dogs and cats get to the place where they need to be. Helping owners who maybe don't understand the breed that they've got or don't understand, you know, the behaviors of their animal. Help them to figure out the behaviors so that they can keep the dog in a safer, more contained, more healthful environment. We are shocked. We did not know you were a teacher. What did you teach? history in the high school level wow yeah i could see that and i could see how your combination of skill set would allow you to do great at community educating and talking with people like we already knew you were a very cool human being but now we did not know the journey from a history teacher to an animal control officer wonderful yep do you ever get scared at work you know i mean obviously you're gonna get that dog that comes around a corner that you didn't see him I had a snake up a tree that decided it was all of a sudden going to let go of the tree and fall on top of me. What? <laughs> you know, that that sort of thing, you, you kind of go, okay, whoops. But, you know, for the most part, knowing that you understand the behaviors of the dog, you know what to look for, and the fact that we have excellent equipment that we use and training that we've received, in most situations, no, I really... Don't fear any of the animals I deal with. Maybe I should, but uh, like I said, with the training and the equipment we have, I feel safe going into any environment. That's pretty cool. I feel scared of dogs sometimes, and I work in a building full of them, so uh-huh, I can't uh-huh. imagine meeting some some of the ones unknown, that you totally meet. Unknown. Yeah, totally unknown, and you don't know their history or anything like that. So that's that's a very courageous job that you have. I feel like uh, already just the beginning of, of this topic and hearing about you talk about your work that you're like a local celebrity of Topeka when I think of celebrities who deal with negative maybe backlash and comments from people that don't know you personally, don't actually know what your job consists of and are judgmental of some story they heard about or something they saw or some personal opinion they have and that you probably, I'm guessing, have to Maybe you're not even aware of it or have to tune that out because clearly you love what you do. You're good at what you do. You know why you show up each day and it's for the animals. And I just have to say that reminds me, like it it draws a parallel for me of people who love what they do and maybe are a little bit more in the public eye and have to deal with some of that feedback from people. You know, um, I always want people to tell us how they feel about what we're doing. As long as they're telling us what they feel we need to do in a constructive manner, it's very easy to say, yeah. That is something that maybe we can do better. I'm not personally one of those people who gets on Facebook all the time and does that sort of thing. The One of the other ACOs that we have likes to get on Facebook. She checks out Facebook whenever she can. She catches a lot of issues mm-hmm. yeah. that are not even in front of us, but they're on the Internet. Uh, we have a records person who also checks the Internet constantly for different things that are going on in the city so that we can try and be ahead of the game on these calls. 
Now, the other side of that is the Internet's easy to be very negative. Yeah. Um, people say a lot of things about us, and, you know, people have a right to think whatever they want to think. We just have to do our job, and that's what I always tell the people I work with and the people I meet in the public. Mm-hmm. I've got a job to do. I'm going to do it the best I can, and I'm never going to have everybody who loves me just because of the job I do and because of the fact that we sometimes have to take an animal away from somebody who isn't doing what they need to do to properly protect their animal. Yeah. Well, it happens. Yeah, and to that point, you know, there are, we've talked about this in the shelter environment, I'm sure that it, you, it, there's a huge level of crossover, is that we love that people care so much about animal welfare, that it's such a hot-button issue for people, because we want them to care, we want there to be, you know, a curbed demand for any type of animal abuse or fighting or whatever, you know, we want people to care about the sad animals in need, like that's something we really, really want. The downside to promoting that so much is that then it lends itself to, um, the sense of animal welfare means everybody is doing something abusive, even if it's not. You know, I mean, the belief that every animal may be in some type of abusive situation, and that's that may not be the case at all. And so I'm sure you bump into that dichotomy quite a bit. Yeah, and we at the shelter in our own way, you know, deal with the stuff on social media, maybe negative ideas are, that are out there and just focusing on what we need to focus on. And that's part of why we always have a myth bust section of each episode to bust hopefully some misconceptions in the community. And we will, we'll have that later in yes, the interview we will. too, which we're excited All about. Right. Our next question is that I'm sure, I mean, I assume that it's a very difficult job that you have, and I'm sure that most people would think that as well. How do you manage a good work-life balance with this kind of job? Well, as I tell everybody, I have no life, so it's just easy. <laughs> There's nothing to balance. <laughs> um, no, it, it's difficult. I am in a particular situation that my entire family is back in Iowa, where I'm from. So because of COVID, I have not visited with my parents, I think, more than twice this year. So, yeah, having a life balance, you just got to find activities that you can do to take yourself out of the stress of the day. Uh, so we can put aside things. So exercise is a good thing. I love to read. I love to actually play video games, so I do that. People would actually tell you I have a really insanely large movie collection. Ooh. Wow. I just got asked so, what's your favorite book because Grace and I are big book lovers. Yeah, we are. Too. We want to know recommendations from Officer Tracy. Um, I love the Lord of the Rings series. Oh, of course. Uh, that's, yeah. that's my side. That, that one's there. I love the Harry Potter series, and I was not a big fan of that real life and fantasy mix, but I think she's just an excellent writer. Yes. Um, mostly it's fantasy, but uh, it's a lot of history, too, uh, just because of that. Yeah. I love to read the crazy facts of history books uh, right. that everybody just goes, that couldn't have happened that way. You know, but it sure But it did. did. <laughs> yep. But it did. Um, we're just delighted. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, Emmy is obsessed with Harry <laughs> Potter. And so she's just over here just uh, doing a delightful dance that Yay. she's got an ally in, in the yeah, city. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to share any Harry Potter updates in my life or cool things that I get with Officer Tersey. And he's going to be like, I'm not on that well, level. You don't need to tell me all of your Harry Potter things. On the high school when I was teaching, the kids decided that they wanted to have a Quidditch club. And we actually developed a game to mimic Quidditch as closely as possible. And we actually had that club for about three or four years with so a lot cool. of just excitement about playing the game. And it was kind of a combination of team handball and soccer and 
Then we had somebody dressed up in a yellow sweatshirt with <laughs> wings on their back who had flags from their hips who ran around the field as a snitch. I love this. And somebody had to pull the flag off to end the game. We're getting way so, on a side tangent, but I love it. Yes, so we are. I love it. Okay, well, I have a question for you, okay. Officer Tersey. What does it take to be... Okay, let me rewind and say, I have a question that's not on your list, but I keep coming back to and I want to ask you before I forget it. I want to know, and you're going to roll your eyes so hard I can feel it. It's okay. <laughs> what do you think when you hear the term dog catcher? You know... I have no problem with the term dog catcher. Um, it was the term that was used for this job. And so, you know, I always laugh about it because the Disney version of the dog catcher is the guy <laughs> who gets trapped in his own cage. Yeah. And the dog's driving the truck as he's chasing it down. And You know, most people don't want to do my job. That's true. And so I just go, you know what? Yep, I'm a dog catcher. That's perfectly fine. And a cat catcher and a snake I, catcher. That's, yeah, <laughs> and a snake catcher. I have to tell you, I get a little bit particularly defensive on your behalf, so it's funny to hear that you do not have the same reaction, because in my mind, I'm like, they're animal control officers. <laughs> <laughs> they well, are esteemed members of our mm-hmm. city of Topeka. Mm-hmm. My ex-boss was a little more on the animal control catcher. She disliked being called a dog catcher. But having been videotaped by a number of citizens... As I chase the dog through the yard for the 19th time, oh, no. and the dog gets away every time, I'm like, yep, I don't always catch him. So, <laughs> oh, dog chaser. I, so, <laughs> I respect your ability to, yes. have, to share these stories and have humor Great with it. Great humor. Yep. So what does it take to be a animal control officer? What kind of skills go into it? What kind of training? Are you? Did you go to the police academy? Kind of what, what does that process look like for anybody who might be interested in having your job? Well, to be honest, an animal control officer only has to be a graduate of high school. Okay. Um, most of the training that you receive will be an on-the-job training. Uh, we have a very extensive training program. We go to classes all the time. We go to a lot of the same classes as some of the police officers for situational awareness and how to de-escalate situations with the human beings. But we're also in the classroom all the time learning about animal behaviors. There are two or three different organizations that we work with constantly taking classes on animal behavior, how to recognize dog fighting, how to recognize abuse, all these sorts of things. But if you're in high school right now about this job, I would suggest that you do internships, maybe doing an internship with the veterinarian that maybe you take your animal to, that you try and do an internship, maybe come down and ride with the police officer to see what their life is like. Uh, You can actually do a ride along with animal control, obviously not so much now with the COVID, but once this is gone, people will be able to do a ride along with us. There's also a Citizens Academy that we spend one night talking to the people about animal control issues and what they need to know about animal control. So we're constantly looking for people who are interested in the field and hopefully they are kind of doing that before they even put an application in. Wow, yeah. Um, Interesting. I was going to say in my situation, there are a few, like I said, I think like three in the nation, actual colleges that have a two-year plan to become an animal control officer. Half of that I spent with the kids who are going through the 
training to become a police officer. So I sat through constitutional law courses. I sat through how to sketch a crime scene, how to do fingerprinting, that sort of thing. And then the other half, I spent the time with the vets, learning the ins and outs of animals, the behaviors, the sicknesses that they deal with. And we were also very lucky that we got to do a whole summer internship with the uh, shelter because it was right there on campus. So we would actually train on how to be a good shelter worker and how to be a good animal control officer and how to be a legal person so that we weren't doing anything that would break the law. Interesting. Uh, And a little shout out for volunteering at Helping Hands if someone's interested in getting more hands-on experience with animals is we are just starting to open back up to volunteer training and 16 and 17 year olds can come without an adult. So Mm -hmm. a reminder about that. And that would be an excellent thing if you're interested in doing animal control because this situation will put you in front of a lot of animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you were a vet tech for four years. Is having any type of veterinary experience a requirement for the job? No, it isn't. Our training, uh, like I said, we, we get in front of a lot of vets who tell us about animals, their behaviors, their sicknesses, when they look good, when they don't look good, that sort of thing. So it's not a requirement, but like I said, if you could do an internship with a veterinarian, that'd be great. A lot of people who've gone to school maybe to be a vet or to be an animal trainer or to be an animal husbandry person, maybe come out and they don't have a job. Animal control is a a position that could be available to you because you've already got experience with animals. We also have to deal with cows, pigs, goats, sheep, horses. So my experience was with small animal, but one of the workers we have now uh, was actually a researcher with pigs, I believe it was, and she dealt with large animals because she was thinking about being a large animal vet. So she has a lot of experience in that, and that's a good way to, you know, kind of break into animal control. And this makes total sense, but similar to Helping Hands, all the people that work with you and have that job like just love animals in in different ways and have different experiences with them that's really what draws someone to a job like this i was okay sorry this is a little off topic but i have a a question that's also not on your list while you're talking about dealing with pigs and cows you guys get calls for all types of animals do you ever like do you do i'm guessing welfare checks like on horses although you're in the city so i don't know how often that happens and do you do welfare checks on like squirrels and do you pick up like roadkill and possums and what if somebody finds a wild baby bird that fell out of its nest and it needs help like what all does you is yours limited just to domestic animals what kind of range do you see we're actually required to do all types of animals horses goats sheep cows pigs all have their own ordinances for the proper way they can be kept inside the city limits so we have to ensure that all of those are met Horses, for the first two horses you have, you must have three acres of land. For every horse beyond two, you would need an acre and a half additional land for the horse. You would have to have a shelter that the horse can go in, similar to a barn, similar to a horse stall on your property, so that they can get out of the inclement weather. Cows, sheep, goats all have to have 400 feet of space from your property line to you, you know, from north to south, east to west. They have to have 400 feet of space or you can't have goats and sheep in that. 
Does that go for chickens um, too? Chicken. <laughs> uh, chickens is fifty feet. You have to have fifty feet between your chicken coop and the homes around you. So chickens are a little different. Now the chickens are also supposed to be kept in the coop. You can take them out for some kind of free range feeding, but as soon as you're done feeding, they need to go back in the coop and the coop should have some form of netting over the top in case you haven't clipped their wings. So property line is not necessarily, so okay. I'm thinking about this on if my yard is big enough for chickens. (laughs) Property line, not door to door. So like the house itself may be 50 feet away, but neighbor's property line might not be 50 feet away. So that'd be a no-go. No, the 50 50 feet counts your property and their property. What we do is we take a straight line from the closest edge of the chicken coop to the closest point on the neighbor's house. And if that's 50 feet or more away, then it's perfectly legal. If it's within that 50 feet, you either would have to shift the chicken coop to where it's still 50 feet away from everybody else or you might have to remove your chickens. That is a situation where we do run into it. Quite a few houses on the east side are very close to each other. There's very little yard to them. There's no way you can do 50 feet. So we have had people where we've had to say to them, I'm sorry, you have to remove your goats, your chickens, your whatever, because you just don't have the space for it. Do, do you recommend people have an ACO come take measurements and get a permit first, or do you, is there a process for that? No, uh, there isn't necessarily a process. If you're concerned about it, we'll come out and help you. Gotcha. We'll help you figure out where to place it. Uh, we can give you, uh, we have pamphlets on proper chicken etiquette, goats, sheep, pigs, all that. Uh, we even have in Spanish. Uh, we had an officer who was really great and sat down with one of our records person and basically translated the pamphlets we had into Spanish so that we have both. And then the university, Washburn, actually has a bunch of people there who are from different countries who can translate for us. So if we run into a language that we just don't know, a lot of the time we'll call Washburn, and they can help us out that way too. That's fantastic. Wow, wow we did not know that. What a great use of community yes, resources. what a community involvement. Which is a great segue into the next section. It or is. Have another I have one really quick question. <laughs> if you pick up wild animals, like the baby birds and things like that that we're talking about, do you take them to like Kansas Wildlife? What do you do with them? Um, we try and get Kansas Wildlife to deal with those if they can. Gotcha. Um, if it's an injury, there is a vet in town who will see the vast majority of wildlife that's injured. If they can deal with the animal successfully, easily, they'll deal with the animal. We might take the animal back to its environment. Uh, Most of the time, those animals go to rehabbers. Mm -hmm. There's a rehabber who works with us. Unfortunately, with COVID, it's a concern that that could be in animal populations as well. There isn't a a lot of science that states that, but the concern is that they don't want to have healthy animals subjected to animals they don't know. So we haven't been able to do as much with the rehabbers recently. In the five years I've been here, I've probably been to the rehabber's house a couple hundred times with injured animals, uh, birds, uh, squirrels, possums, all that sort of thing. Wow. We had no idea you do all this. This is amazing. Please continue. Yeah, no, um, we just, we're here to help in any way we possibly can, animal related. There are a couple things that we don't do that the police do. If it's an animal issue, we try and help out. Yesterday, I spent about 10 minutes chasing a cat off of a light pole that it had climbed up. 
<laughs> and we have this, I mean, it's, it's comical to watch. Uh-huh. But we have this big, long, extended pole, and we have a net on the end of it. Mm. And we kind of scoop the cat up if we can. Uh, this cat decided, oh, I'll just climb down myself. So he grabbed onto the pole and inched his way down the pole. Oh, my goodness. And as soon as he hit the ground, he took off running, and he was gone. Wow. Oh, my God. So, like, thanks. Thanks for the lift. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, I was good up there, but you chased me down. Oh, so, my gosh. Do you have any pets yourself? I had a couple dogs before I moved here. They were both very old dogs, and they were forced to be put down oh. uh, just because of their age. And to be honest, I've just been chasing everybody else's pets yeah. for the last five years, mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to take time away. It's your job So 20 hours of sure. the day. So. <laughs> sure. well, no, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I miss both those dogs terribly. Yeah. Uh, I had a dog in my house for 20 straight years. Between those two dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, you know, I run into so many things that I don't want to bring home. Mm -hmm. Now, the other animal control officers each have dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. So it's just, for me, coming here, living in an apartment, I just didn't feel I could give the cat or dog everything it would need. So I haven't yet. Gotcha. So now, I half have... the dogs I bring in and cats I bring in, I kind of think, I'm taking that home with me. Right? Oh, you could. I believe it. Um, this is something we talk a lot about as a shelter and shelter workers. and um, We've talked on this podcast before. Emmy does not have any pets of her own. I, on the other hand, have five animals because <laughs> I can't quit taking them home, um, which I understand there's a limit. What's the city limit? How, what's, what can I tell my husband I can, so that he knows how many more I can have? <laughs> oh, your husband's going to hate me. <laughs> The city of Topeka did not set a limitation on animals. Yes. So we have to go with the state limitation. The state allows you to have 19 adult animals, dogs or cats, before you are required to have what is called a breeder's license or a kennel license. Wow. So, unfortunately, we get a lot of calls that say, you know, that person's got seven dogs, and we're like... They're well under the number. Uh-huh. I, I'm not going to tell them the number they can have. But, yes, <laughs> right. we do go out to check on the numbers. And, like I said, uh, Topeka never set a limit, so we have to go with the state limit, which is 19 adult animals. And that is not proportional to square footage. So, is that correct? So, if I have, like, a 2,000-square-foot home versus a 5,000-square-foot home versus a one-bedroom apartment, is that number the same? Unfortunately, yes. Um, oh, man. Now, we're going to say to a person who has a 1,000-foot square apartment, you can't have that many animals. It's It's not not healthy. It's not safe for them because along with the you can have 19 animals, you have to have them in a healthy, safe manner. Mm -hmm. So if we feel that you can't contain the dogs properly, you can't care for the animals properly, we're going to go in and we're going to help you to try and get down to a number that you can match, that you can work with. That's unfortunately one of the cruelty issues we deal with is when somebody has too many animals and they're not willing to give them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we sometimes have to go to court. The judge will say to the person, listen, we know you love animals. You're doing everything you can for them. But this is a, an appropriate amount that we feel you can deal with. Do you have any awareness of what the limit is in other cities since 19 sounds like a lot. I believe Lawrence has a rule of like five or six. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think of other cities around here. Uh, we just talked to oh, the city shot out of my head, but they were thinking about making a limitation and they asked us what we thought and we're like, well, we <laughs> do 19 here. So <laughs> that's Whatever not a good number. Yeah. We don't think 19 is an appropriate number for everybody. Mm-hmm. We'd like it to be shorter, but we deal with what we deal with. I was going to say, I know some people who live out in the country on land and definitely have more than five or six between like their cats and dogs, but it seems sure. like a totally great environment. So it is hard to, you know, what would be the ideal number? Right. Well, we actually had 19 Great Danes living in one house. What? Whoa. Now, in their defense, they were an ex-breeder. Uh-huh. They actually had a breeding license at that point still. They also had their home professionally cleaned three times a week. Wow, you'd have to. And they were walking the dogs periodically uh, during the day. Uh, She was, I believe, stay at home, and so she was taking them out during the day. But the problem was their backyard was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only put out six or seven dogs at a time. They're tearing up the grass. Another issue is the smell. Yeah, That can get you a ticket from us. So we had a lot of neighbors complaining about the smell. As it was, we figured out how much was the normal amount for these dogs to be producing in a day. And we said, this is the number that you need to clean up every two days. Mm -hmm. If you hit that number, it's a cleaning day. The state came back and said, actually, we'd like you to clean every single day. Wow. Because the state was involved because there was that issue of 19 and this was an ex-breeder. So the state... Involved itself. Shout out Poo Squad. Poo Squad yeah. cleans my yard because yeah. I don't like to clean dog poo. They need Poo Squad yep. out there. Yep. And that is one of the things that we actually do investigate is if you have too much feces in your in your yard. Wow. Really yes. There's. T- yeah. What are some ticketable offenses? This is like little known facts. A uh, ticketable poop? offense on too much feces would be that there's a distinct smell that is offensive. That it is causing flies to congregate in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. or it's just a generally offensive situation to one of your neighbors. <laughs> what we do is we go out and we ask them to clean. We ask them to clean all of the new and all of the old because if an animal had parasites at one point, those parasites can stay in the feces and in the ground for up to a couple years. So we don't want the next person who moves in to have to deal with parasites in their animal because the other person didn't clean up yeah but as i said first we ask them to clean if they refuse to clean after that then it would be a ticketable offense now funny thing here is if you're walking down the street and your dog goes to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and you don't clean it up that's actually a police issue yeah it's the weirdest thing we deal with it when it's your own dog in your own yard the police have to deal with it if it's you running around in public and your dog goes and you don't clean it up. Um, what about then, leash laws? Is that you or city speaking? Yes. Uh, leash law, they are required to be on a leash as soon as they leave your home. Now, there are certain situations where, you know, I am taking my dog to my car. He runs right to the car. He jumps in. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ticket you if the dog runs right to the car and jumps in. But if the dog decides to run into the neighbor's yard and run around the block for 30 minutes... That's not the dog just going from the house to the car. Gotcha. So that, if, if it leaves your property, gotcha. it could be considered at large. 
Okay, that's some good clarification. And I have an old senior dog who likes to lay on my porch, and sometimes I worry about if she should be tethered, but I don't want to tether her because there's tether laws. So Yeah, as long as the dog stays on property, there is no charge against you. The dog has to leave your property without being on a leash or a tether situation. Gotcha. That makes sense. So oftentimes we'll see a dog maybe in a yard. We'll stop to pick up the dog. Before we go anywhere with the dog, we knock on the door and just go, hey, is this your dog? Mm -hmm. And some people will say, oh, yeah, I just let him out to go to the bathroom. Or, oh, he slipped out of the backyard. And then it's like, well, he wasn't in violation because we found him in your yard. But, you know, uh, you should probably be out here with him if you put him outside, unless you have a fenced yard. Mm -hmm. So we do kind of educate people in that manner. Also, the at-large just means off-property. I actually said at-large to somebody once, and she said, but my dog's a small Pomeranian. He's not a big dog. <laughs> there's no at-small. Sorry. Yeah, there's no at-small, yeah. just at-large. So had to explain to her what we meant by off-of-property. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, anytime that they are in public, they are off your property, they have to have a leash on. If you're taking them to the car, like I said, it'd be better if they were on a leash, you know, but they, as long as they stay on your property, they're good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate all those extra steps to try to see if the owner is right there, if they're in their own yeah. yard and not having to come to Helping Hands. That's always yep. great for us and for the families. And, yeah, you, so you had mentioned and, and have now touched on one of the interesting differences between what's covered by animal control officers versus the police. Are there any others that come to mind that are kind of interesting or weird? Actually, the barking dog one. Mm -hmm. That is actually a police issue because it is a noise ordinance violation. Mm -hmm. Now, how we get involved is generally when a dog is barking, the police go there and they look and they see if there's any kind of criminal activity going on that would be caused by the, would cause the dog to bark. If they don't feel there's any criminal activity, they will basically set the call for us to go and try and figure out why the dog is barking for whatever reason. Is it injured? Is it sick? Is it tethered and trapped on its fence? Uh -huh. That sort of thing. So we will work with the police on that. As long as they don't feel it's a noise issue, then it becomes an animal control issue. That's very interesting. It kind of sounds like it should be called like the Lassie Law. Like is Lassie trying to tell you something criminal is going yes. on? Is she, is she trying <laughs> yes. to tell you? Interesting. Um. Wow. Wow. There's so much to I know. know. There's like the questions go. Like one of my questions. Around. I'm not. I won't. I'll ask it to you. But I also know you don't have to answer it. And I wanted to know like what can people get a ticket for? But I also as soon as I was going to ask it, I was like, there's probably like a whole handbook. You probably yeah. have a whole handbook of things read people to us for can. Three hours. Yeah. So I was like, there's probably not a good way to. Well, um, I can go that. over the basic general things. Anything yeah. running at large could be considered at large. Could be considered dangerous if it was to attack somebody or threaten somebody. Those are the basic dangerous and running at large. Not owning a city tag for a dog over six months or a cat over six months is an actual ticketable offense. And it doesn't matter if the dog's in your yard or in your home or running loose. Mm -hmm. You can get a ticket for just not having a city tag on a dog or cat over six months of age. Don't worry, Officer Tercy. I have five city tags. <laughs> Don't go I'll look me up. I'll check later. <laughs> I mean, um, no, I, I trust you. Uh, you kind of talked about the tethering. Tethering is legal as long as you do it in a prescribed manner. 
The dog can be on the tether for up to 15 minutes, unsupervised. But once that 15 minutes is gone, you need to be supervising that dog. You need to be looking out your window. You need to be coming out with the dog. If you're in the yard with the dog and it's on a tether, the dog can be on the tether as long as you're in the yard with it because mm -hmm. you're directly supervising. Yeah. Tether issues that you have to be concerned about. Can the dog flip over its water bowl so it no longer has water? Can the dog entangle itself so that it can't get to shade or get back to that water on hot days or into shelter on a cold day? Other tether issues. You can't tether a dog with a choke chain around its neck. Smart. It has to be attached to a collar or to a harness. Mm -hmm. Have those chain tether laws changed over time? Um, they have changed over time. Uh, recently, in the last five years, no, I don't believe we've changed anything. Uh, they are constantly reviewed. Mm -hmm. um, my ex-boss, uh, Lisa Pinkley, who left just about a year ago, she went through and reviewed all of the ordinances about a year ago. And we changed some of the ordinances, we modified some of them, and we even removed some of them. That really didn't apply anymore. Hmm. But uh, on the tether, the other things that you need to worry about is, is it too heavy for the dog? Mm -hmm. If you have a chihuahua, you can't have a 20-pound weight chain holding that dog in place. That's yeah. just not reasonable. And then the other one that a lot of people run into is, I'm tethering my dog because I don't have a fence. If your dog is attacked by another animal or a human being while it's tethered, you would receive a tether ticket. Because the dog literally can't get away from the attack and you don't have a fence to protect it. Yeah. So that is an issue that a lot of people don't think of. They think, oh, I've got the dog. He needs to be outside. I'll just tether him. Perfectly fine. But if you don't have a fence and he is attacked, you are going to receive a ticket for that. Mm -hmm. What do you think is a, a good alternative? Like training? Recall training? I mean, any kind of training you can do with the dog to... Get it to come to you to be obedient is great. I would say if you're going to own an animal, learn the breed first. Because I can tell you that huskies, German shepherds, boxers, chows, akitas, and pit bulls are the escape artists of the dog world. Hey, it sounds like all the animals that come in his yep. <laughs> well, that's You'll see well, all those on our adoption floor, yeah, believe it that, or not. Those are the ones we chase all the time because... Mm -hmm. They're smart, yep. they're persistent, and for the most part, they're in really good shape. Yep. So if they can find a way under, over, or through a fence, they're going to find it. So first of all, the obedience training. Know what my boundaries are. Stay near home. Second of all, a good fence is a great investment no matter what because it keeps all the strays from coming into your yard, causing any issues, keeps your dog in your yard, and it gives your kids a nice, safe place to be so that dogs aren't running up on them. Because yeah. part of my job is, unfortunately, going to the hospital. I did that right before I came in here to talk to you guys to talk to a 12-year-old who had been bitten by a dog. Oh. He was just walking home. Dog ran up, chomped on his hand, mm -hmm. then ran off. He didn't know the dog. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that a good fence or a good obedience course probably would have kept that from happening. Yeah. The in-ground fences are good as long as the batteries are good on the dog's collar. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of them where we show up and the dog's running around loose and we 
knock and they're like, oh, no, he possibly couldn't be out of the yard. He's got a collar on him and an in-ground fence. And it's like, well, he was across the street with me two seconds ago. (laughs) Or the really funny one is the dogs figure out the collar isn't working. (laughs) They let mom and dad go to work. They run around the neighborhood for the entire day. And then about 20 minutes before mom and dad come home, (laughs) they go home. Oh and they sit there in the yard like, hi, mom. Too smart. We have that occasionally where I have to tell the person, tomorrow, come home 20 minutes early. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. And almost every time I get a call that says, yeah, my dog was out. I apologize. <laughs> the batteries are dead. You, you, you really have, you could be the dog at this point. You've seen so many situations. If you are the dog, yeah. think yes. like the dog. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, I do scratch by my ear a lot. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, and to the same point, luckily, a lot of apartment complexes nowadays have their own like mini dog parks mm-hmm. for the apartment yes. complex. Fences around, like the one in our neighborhood has its own fenced in yard, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Yep. And the dog park is a very good place to go to. You just have to be aware of your dog's reaction to other dogs mm-hmm. and pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. But, or you can uh, learn the schedule of when it's less busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the time is a little emptier. Mm-hmm. You have it to yep. yourself. Yep. Oh, okay, um, sorry, we were going through the list yes, of things. Yes, to so finish uh, yeah. the general things. Okay, okay. Uh, so we covered at-large, mm-hmm. and that's dogs, cats, and pigs mm-hmm. that can be at-large. Okay. You also can have chickens and goats and things like that at-large, but most of the time that's something where we side them there and hand back their animal, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the pigs, cats, and dogs obviously come to you guys a lot. Mm-hmm. The tethering is for dogs and pigs, basically. I know you can tether a cat. I don't know anybody who does that. (laughs) Yeah, never Um, seen it. And then tethering of wildlife, livestock, that's a natural occurring thing. So tethering really isn't an issue for them Mm -hmm. unless they're somehow harming themselves. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, the cruelties, that's do they have the shelter, do they have the food, do they have the water, do they have exercise capabilities, are they too thin? Are they too fat? All those things are things that we talk to people about. Obese, I never thought about. Yes, uh, and unfortunately, pet obesity is probably worse for the animal than it is for human beings because they're so much smaller than us Yeah. that being overweight is really hard on their system. It's almost as bad, if not worse, than being underweight. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the cruelty and the dog fighting, people just do... Things to animals that they shouldn't. Uh, So we look into that. We, as I said, do dog bite reports, cat bite reports. If you've been bitten by a bat, that is a thing that you need to go to the hospital for because bats are known carriers of rabies. If there's somebody who was asleep in a home and the bat was in there, a small child or an elderly person who maybe doesn't communicate very well, we do an immediate quarantine on that bat. We send the bat to be tested for rabies immediately because that is the risk of rabies in bats. Wow. Um, I had no idea. Any kind of wildlife bite, we are going to try and get the animal. We are going to try and get it into the vet to have it tested for rabies. So, yeah, uh, any kind of animal that bites somebody, we're going to try and do a rabies test. Now, if it's like squirrels or rabbits, even wild rabbits and squirrels tend to not have rabies, so that's not as big a of a concern, but bats, raccoons, coyotes, that sort of thing, we're definitely going to do it. We will do possums, but possums have a very low body temperature, 
So they don't carry a lot of disease. Surprisingly, the possum, who looks like, to most people, a giant rat, mm -hmm. is actually very clean, and they eat ticks. So they're actually pretty beneficial to have in your neighborhood, yep. whereas the raccoon carries <laughs> tons of disease but looks really cute. Mm -hmm. so, Poor uh, possums. Better to have possums than raccoons. Nice. Um, nice myth bust. Mm -hmm. That is a good myth. So getting back to the covering of the ordinances, like I said, we do do wildlife ordinances. Uh, we do pick up any wildlife that is injured or sick. So if you have an injured or sick wildlife, you could call us. If it's, you know, you have raccoons in your attic, unfortunately that is something you have to call a licensed exterminator for. Mm, we don't in deal your house. with those. Yeah, if they're in your house. Yeah, I'm sure that's, that takes different kinds of equipment and specialty <laughs> to, to get them. A little bit. I mean, we can catch them with the fetch poles we have uh -huh. and we can remove them, but it's not necessarily part of our ordinance that we do. Yeah. So, like I said, if it's sick or injured, we will come out, we will get it. But if it's healthy and acting in a normal way, we're going to leave that alone. Another one that a lot of people call on is mange, mm -hmm. especially in the fox population. Yeah. For those people who don't know, mange is a mite that lives on the skin. And when there's some imbalance in the animal, they will chew the hair off. And they will cause wounds to occur on the fox, but they are not considered lethal. Mm -hmm. What the problem is, a lot of the time it itches and the fox may scratch enough to cause an infection. Could be it really exhausted because it's constantly scratching in that. So we'll keep an eye on it. But if it doesn't appear to be at a place where it's injured or sick... We're probably going to leave that mangy fox where it is. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I've seen lots of uh, plenty of pictures on Facebook of foxes yes, that look uh, like that, and people trying to track it and worried about it. So well, and they good. were they like to call the um, mangy coyotes chupacabras, <laughs> oh. which is a mythological creature from Mexico that oh sucks God. the blood out of goats. Oh my! And God. if you've ever seen a mangy coyote, they look terrible. Yeah, they look. They like really do. Be a mythical creature. So you'd so, even deal with potentially mythical creatures in your work. Um, actually, I was monitoring one inside of a local cemetery during a holiday where lots of people were at the cemetery. Oh, my gosh. And the people opposite to me to this big circle the coyote was in were also monitoring it. And they started to walk towards it because they thought it was a dog. Mm-hmm. And so I had to zoom around the circle and go back away from that. That's not <laughs> a dog. Do Don't do it. Um, we also had some people try and lure a coyote with mange into their car with hot dogs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, don't, Oof. don't, please don't bring a wildlife into your car. Um, even the babies. Yeah. Don't do that because more than likely something bad's going to happen and we're going to have to euthanize that animal. Yeah, it won't um, be good so, for anyone in the end. Trying yeah, to help, just, people are trying to help that. And yes, that's the thing. I love people for the help, mm -hmm. but if it's a wildlife and you're concerned about it, call us out. Get us there. Uh, and that goes for any animal. If you have a concern, please get us there. Because mm -hmm. every single animal control officer I know would rather go to nine calls that go for nothing and we just say hey have a great day mm -hmm. then miss that one call out of 10 that we really should have been to and somebody just didn't know 
Yeah. So that's when, you know, people say dog catcher. Said, you know what? I love to chase dogs all day because <laughs> that's my job and I'm keeping them safe. And I'd rather you call me with your concern than being the dog catcher who goes to pick up the deceased animal on the side of the road because nobody thought to call me when he was running around and alive. Yeah. Oh, and that's just such a good tip about the wildlife. We've had people show up in our intake with wildlife in hand, um, and we've told them about the wildlife refuge, but I, I don't think that I at least personally knew that they could call animal control to come to the scene yes. to help, so that's great. And we will do everything we can for the situation. And like I said, we work with the rehabbers around the state, and we do everything we can. Mm-hmm. Well, Grace had to pop out, but thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We have a plenty of questions left, so we'd love to have you on a future episode if possible. Um, but I think this is going to be just great information for our public to learn. Any last or final things you want to say before we finish out this one? Um, like I said, do everything you can to get us there in any situation that you feel there's a problem. Like I said, we'd rather be there and say, nope, that's good, than to be there and go, oh, wow wish we'd been here a day ago yes. or three days ago and i know there's not um, very many of you you guys are are busy busy so i don't know how i don't no. even know how many calls you get and how fast you're able to be somewhere unfortunately there's only three of us yeah and we basically catch the calls as they come up and i mean i can put 150 miles on my truck in a day wow you know and that's just driving in the city yeah so, yeah, I mean, obviously spring, summer, and fall, much busier. But winter, we do a lot of welfare checks mm-hmm. to make sure they've got the proper shelter, the, the food that they need to stay warm if they're going to be outside. Abuse can happen at any time. Dog bites happen all the time. Yeah. And no part of the city is immune to this. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people complain that, oh, this part of town, dogs are running all the time. I can tell you I chase dogs in every part of the city. Yeah. Nice neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods, whatever you want to call them. You know, dogs run. Escape artists are everywhere. Part of who they are is getting out and running and going to visit people mostly. Mm -hmm. Nine-tenths of them, very sweet dogs. It's that one-tenth that is a little more of a concern, but most of the time, even then, 99.9% of dogs are good dogs. Mm -hmm. I won't say the same about cats, but I'm not a cat. I'm kidding. (laughs) Cats are wonderful creatures. (laughs) Just very different from dogs. Yes. Oh, awesome. Well, this has been very enlightening, and we hope to be able to have you again on soon because we have so much more we want to talk about, but I think this will make for a great episode. Thanks for being on. Thank you, ma'am.